welcome to the Missouri Wind and Solar Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Shank, coming to you from our store in Seymour, Missouri. Each week with my co-host and Missouri Wind's General Manager, David McDerris, we discuss the latest on renewable energy. Check out our additional educational information on our website at mwands.com. Thank you for downloading this podcast, and please subscribe. Welcome to the Missouri Wind and Solar Podcast. We're here today in kind of a follow-up a little bit from our last podcast where we were talking about types of uh, basically screwing up your solar panels. We're going to go a little bit along those lines with maintenance, and we're going to talk about stuff you need to look at in the terms of, uh, you know, all of our favorite author here, the, the uh, was it George R.R. R. Martin, Winter is Coming. Winter is Coming. And though we don't have... Uh, frozen zombies to deal with we do have maintenance that we need to talk about and things you need to be proactively looking at we got Wyatt back with David and I today so we can mess with him and get him to uh, tell us all the things that we need to do with maintenance which I of course don't know anything which is why I'm in here and I'm just the beautiful eloquent voice here for the Missouri Women's Solar Podcast (laughs) Let's start talking about that today. I think we, we, we were starting to discuss it a little bit. We were beginning with wind turbines, just because they, they have the most moving parts of anything we'd be dealing with. What are probably some of the musts, you know, if we had to divide it between musts and shoulds, what would be some of the things that are musts before you have 30 feet of snow piled up on the side of your house that you would need to do? And then we could talk about some of the things that you should do. Well, there's always checking your wire to see if it's twisted up if you don't have a slip ring. That's why you should always leave a little slack in your line. It allows some some binding up. But typically, twisted wire is not an issue, especially on tall towers. One thing that, that I would say that you must do before, especially if you have this on a tower or the roof, you know, if you think that there's any any problems with any connections, checking all connections there again if, if you live in a, in a snowy area where there's going to be months of, of snow that that you would be very detrimental to climbing a tower you know it would be it would just not be in your best interest to climb a tower with ice and snow buildup. Uh, same way with getting on your roof if you're a roof mounted system there's no sense in trying to get on a roof when there's ice and snow on when you can get on and check all that before the next thing you would need to do is, is really check for your blades and make sure your hubs, everything's tight there. Because as winter comes on, we will have more wind. You know, that's the wind season is the winter time. So you want to make sure that all connections, I mean, your wire connection, your bolts are all still tight, your hubs tight. Uh, if nobody's ever seen it, we've made major, major steps to try to eliminate this problem with our new keyway shafts and, and different things and our new self-binding locking washers. There's some things that we've really tried to do to make these work will will not happen. As for somebody that has an older turbine, if you've ever watched a metal lathe cut a piece of metal off, when a loose hub happens, that's exactly what it's doing. It will work just like a metal lathe and it will cut right through your shaft. You know, this is a stainless steel shaft and it will just cut right through it and cut it off. That's detrimental to your turbine. I mean, and can be dangerous. I mean, if it cuts through, those blades are going somewhere at that point, off into space somewhere. Yeah, that's okay. You know, there's the whole bird strike thing and it doesn't happen. I mean, we've had, uh, so just go ahead and put some qualifiers out there. I mean, I've been coming here for 10 years. I don't think I've ever seen Never. a dead bird at Missouri Wind Solar. No. So go ahead and say that. Second, this is a don't try this at home, what I'm about to say. 
Okay, so don't try this at home. But what is it they, they test the Boeing engines? He used to throw frozen turkeys into them <laughs> to see. Now, see now don't, do that with our, don't do that with our wind turbine. Don't do that with our blade. But it would probably be a good time just to check the blades, right? I mean, right. I know our blades are made out of right. a polycarbonate with carbon fiber injection in them. So yeah, this is so. an incredible blade. I mean, it can take, I, I know we've bent them and stomped on them and shot at them and oh, yeah. roll over them with the heister. But still, if you're anytime you're going to take the tower down to look at right. it, be a great time to inspect the blades and another thing you should check at that time that you have all this down or or you're up on the tower and why it brought this up is a slippering here in missouri where we're at we're predominantly southern wind in the summertime we get more south wind than any other wind in the summertime so your turbine is pointing in that direction right so our turbine is pointing in that direction it's pointing to the south on the slippering we're using the brushes of the south on the northern side just like a northern side of a roof how it come corroded as the winter comes on, we tend to be in northern prevailing wind in Missouri. So now there's corrosion on that northern side that you need to have worked off. And you can simply do that by working the turbine back and forth in that northern face and kind of work that off of there. What we want to do is have the most voltage transfer possible from the turbine to the charge controller. And anything that can impede that being corrosion would have the same effect that you would if your battery was corroded on your car. It gets slow and droggy. A lot of times corrosion will be the, the leading cause of that is taking that away you know so if you can get that corrosion off uh, i'm not saying get up there and pour coca-cola on you know don't do that i mean you just need to do it by wearing by moving it back and forth and you can wear any of that little corrosion off so what are some of the things that like a like a rectifier or a charge controller anything mechanical has a life right i mean it, and it's and if you don't think that then you're kidding yourself right right i mean it doesn't matter you buy a brand new computer it has a life and if you don't believe that stop and think how many computers you've bought right over the years right right. or you'd have bought that first one that cost you five thousand dollars or whatever and you'd never bought another one so what are some components that if you haven't replaced them in x years it's now time to start considering is your rectifier is that something that if you've had your current rectifier for three years if you've had your current charge controller for two years what are some so just some general ideas you know because key to maintenance any kind of maintenance is getting ahead of a failure right Right. i mean that's the that's the key to it is you keep stuff replaced i mean i'm a i'm a huge believer i take my vehicles in religiously and i typically don't ever have from that's not ever cheap but it's a heck of a lot easier than right calling the tow truck <laughs> yeah 50 dollars oil changes is a lot better than a five thousand dollar engine right you know. uh rectifiers not so much i mean they're just a transfer they're just they're kind of a set of diodes that allows one-way transfer of electricity so there's really uh if there's, happening there. it is not much happening there it's kind of like a check valve I mean, it's just flowing electricity one way. Basically, that's how you can think of a, a rectifier. Now, if you're in a relay-based controller, a relay will eventually wear out. Um, they're cycling. They're, you know, click, and they're turning on. They click, they turn off, and there's a spring in there that's it's every time. Yeah. It, it springs. I mean, if you've ever jumped on a trampoline, a new trampoline jumps better than an old trampoline. Springs wear out. They get loose. They get. We had to stop there for a minute. I'm, I'm having a little bit of a challenge. <laughs> 
that McDerris pulled that out of his hat. No, I did. I just pulled that out. <laughs> this is, this old, is an experience got, you've had. I've got an old trampoline. <laughs> and it don't jump anymore. I was going to say, he'd be trampoline. <laughs> maybe, maybe I've got fatter. I don't know. <laughs> That's just the deal. I don't know. But you hear that trampoline. Get off. <laughs> it's the air density change. I'm touching the ground. Good compression underneath. <laughs> In that case, what would you think? I mean, and if it's hard to say, then it's hard to say. I mean, if it's you know, if you're I talking mean, mo- about most relay, most relay-based controllers are going to be typically a five to seven year before you'll see okay. failure on the relay. What I would say, if if I had a relay-based controller more than three years, I would have a backup relay on hand at any given time. What's a typical relay cost from? So a I know typical we've got- relay is. $39, I do believe. Pretty low it's, it's, insurance yeah, money. You know, it's especially you try to call us on Friday at 5 o'clock and we're closed right. and you live off grid and this is your right. controller. You're right. Um, it was Thanksgiving weekend right. or it's, it's pretty just cold. Si- yeah, it's, it's just, just pretty just simple. Yeah, it's, it's cold or whatever the case may be. It's just pretty simple to change out. I mean, it's just a matter of literally, typically four wires that you unhook away. You put the, you know, the screws are already drilled in. I mean, so you just put it right back on and you're up and running again just simply that quick so what other component in our wind scenario are we looking at that would be i mean i I would think a a 40 dollar part to have on hand as a backup you know what's the old saying two is one and one is none i mean you know as far as backups go yeah what other components would we typically have on hand with wind and and maintenance wise like we're talking about that we would you know i i don't know that i would me personally if i had a yaw bearing i would change it every two years i wouldn't allow a yaw bearing to go longer than two years uh you can grease them but just remember just like greasing any other substance grease will start holding dirt so yeah the more i mean grease it's kind of a, on, it's I mean, kind of it's, damned if you do damned it, if you don't you know, sort and of so we want to acclimate into the wind the best as possible. And, and let's say you don't have a yaw bearing and you just have the, the nylon washer that we send with it, which is the same thing. You know, there's going to be wear on that. It's the buffer between metal on metal. It's just like your pads on your car for your brakes. You get wear. to the yeah, you get to the metal on metal and you get that screeching sound, and that's not a good sound, and it's not a good sound in the turbine either. You know, I'd say every two year on that, and do that on your preventative maintenance. Do that on your and then what's six a months what's a yaw bearing? price run seven ninety nine to nine ninety nine depending on which one you get so eight or, or eight or nine yeah. bucks pretty insignificant yeah. and the real deal is taking that tower down right or going up on the or roof going up whatever whatever way you're doing yeah. it, it that's was my, the biggest part it's, it's yeah. me spending your money it's always easy but but right. if i gotta climb up on the roof Go yeah, ahead and take another eight bucks with me up there and be done with it. I mean, <laughs> might as well have everything there to, just in case. You know, if yeah. I get it down and I see, oh, wait, my yaw bearing is it's tight. Well, it's a simple fix. I yeah. mean, it's a simple You're up there. You would definitely want to check your uh, electrical connection if definitely. you had it down. Always check those. So that was the other thing I was curious about. Because I can't imagine with the typical DC wiring that we're using, this stuff's pretty substantial to begin with. Are there any challenges with that? Other than just making sure the connections are all solid. Yeah, I mean, typically your positive connection is going to corrode more than your negative. But if you've got a good crimp and a good heat shrink, you never have to worry about what's right. behind the lug. Right. Okay. If your wire's gotten really sun faded, you might just check to see if it's cracked or something. But yet I haven't had a, a welding cable crack. 
Yeah, it's stuff's right. pretty wicked right now. Box PB yeah. cable, same thing. It's it's designed, you know, it's got a UV inhibitor in it to keep that breakdown from happening. Is there anything you need to do to it if you see that? I mean, if you see any kind of cracking in the wire, it needs to be replaced immediately. I mean, it's, okay, that's there's no a, repair to it. It's no. just because if it's cracked in one place, there's more than likely there's going to be places very soon that's going to crack, and it's it's not or it's, worth the or it's just maybe where the sun got to a section right. you know right. and in that case you could if you knew for sure that you could get a heat shrink around it there's it's hard to get a heat shrink around that you're sealing up the entire deal around it because unless you slid it on from all the way from one end it's like trying to fix a plumbing pipe you know by just putting a, a pipe over it a pipe over it it's, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty hard and, I, and i've seen actually uh one motor where mud dauber had yeah. pack, packed yeah. a little mud in there on the stator <laughs> yeah. obviously let's clean that out uh, yeah, so even coming back to that, are we still running our our PM deal where you can send it in? Sure, that's run as three sixty five. Okay, we do that all the time. Send so, it in if you if you think that you're not getting the production that you once were off that thing. Send it in. We'll give it a good good look over and uh, uh, do the work on it. And they need it if you want to. We can put the marine varnish on it. Mm. That's also a really good. That's a really good deal. I mean, that's a really good deal to do that. Or if, if you want to do it yourself, we, we sell the... We sell it as well. Yeah. We sell a marine varnish. We send it out to you. And you can, you know, varnish your kid, your boat, whatever. Yeah. Do that also. It's, it's good stuff. What about our solar side? I know we talked a good deal about that last week, but is there anything else we need to... Solar side, winter coming on. I mean, it's panel angle. I'll just keep harping on that panel angle, panel angle, panel angle. I mean, if you don't have your panels angled correctly for the time of year that yeah, it is, we did. I remember we did one a couple of years, years ago, or a year ago, we did that about contrary to some people's belief, the Earth moves. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and your and your angle changes because you you actually have a couple mm-hmm. of different websites so you go you can to. put in Solar Angle Finder and it will in the web browser and it will pull up that. Right. So if you didn't hear the previous podcast, don't know what we're talking about. It's that it can be up to what is it like fifteen oh, degrees? It's almost fifty degrees. In is some it fifty? degrees yeah oh, man i didn't remember it's crazy yeah. is that you kept your solar panels at one setting all summer long that again contrary to some opinions the earth moves and you need to reset the degrees in which they're set to right. take advantage of the winter sun that's right uh, yeah the org. yeah that's a really good website to find wind speeds that you have and solar angles plethora of stuff yeah. yeah i mean it was it was crazy and, and now that you say it's that it's got to be 50, yeah it's I think 50 degrees is substantial it's very <laughs> substantial i mean you know yeah it's almost 50 degrees here in missouri in winter time you're at 27 degrees we're working off the vertical axis so we're starting zero at vertical and then we're working at 27 degrees winter time i want to say is 70 some degree i mean it, it is it, it's a big difference i mean it really is you know so there's a there's a middle ground you know right if you, if you so really to, really you should be doing that like quarterly if you right. really want it i mean I, quarterly. Yeah. I, like i said minimum. on the last one i would do it monthly i mean you know i change my air filter I and mean, preventative maintenance yeah. i change my air filter in my home on a monthly basis and if you're on a, a structure that is easy to move uh, like most angle finding structures are i mean you know, like our tracker. I mean, it, it's... Yeah, as I say, is, does our it, tracker it's move very, for that? very simple to move. It's a matter of removing four bolts and changing to the next angle, you know, and, or loosening four bolts. You don't have to change them. You just loosen four bolts and you can change it to the next angle. And we do have the dual axis tracker. Yeah. yeah. But the and one that, we've got out here... We just it, have it on the It, it doesn't axis. adjust for the... It's got four... You have but, to do that manually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But we there is, we, we do carry another one that does that. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. The, the tracker, you can actually purchase the tracker and it has, it's going to do the east to west. 
but it has the capability of doing the north to south as well. You just have to buy the actuator itself okay. and the arms uh, because that actual controller can do the north to south as well. And in the wintertime, that is really a big deal because you're trying to get all the sun in the summertime as well because the summertime, it starts out pretty flat during the morning hours as the sun's coming up, but of the daytime, it's almost laying flat by the time it goes over the top of us. You know, and then it goes back to uh, almost back to vertical again. So it goes vertical to horizontal, almost fully horizontal back to vertical again. Course now, of the day. and of course, that's not investment for the faint of heart. No, it's not. What is it, it about? It's about $5,400 for a dual access. five grand. Uh, and that holds 12 panels with 60 cell panels. But it can also give you the dual almost 60% more electricity production per day on 12 panels. So, I mean, it's effectively going to make your 12 panels work as such, almost as like 20 to 21 panels would work. I don't have to invest in, in a in a lot less space. Right. Too, in yeah. Less charge controllers. Lot, lot I can now do this all. Footprint. Yeah, I can do this all in one charge controller. I can do this. I mean, so there's some costs there that I can take away if I was going to grow that system. And, and it looks really cool. Yeah, it everybody, is really, really everybody cool. Likes, <laughs> everybody likes to yeah. look at that. Yes, it, it is a very nice looking unit. It comes with all the, uh, it's not something, the only thing that you really have to add to it is concrete. You know, to, to, big old block of concrete. It's a big wall of concrete. It's four by four by four block. Anyhow, we're chasing a rabbit here. But the maintenance on the solar panel, I guess, is really no different. I mean, you ought to do this all the time. Right. Make sure you keep them clean. Um, That's a little harder to do in the winter because you have frost that wants to come on the panels and so it'll cause a little bit of dirt to actually stay on the panels whereas dew doesn't do that as bad. Dew will want to run whereas frost wants to just kind of melt away and all the dirt particles actually stay on the panels. So you'll see it dirtier in the, in the winter than you will in the summertime. Dew as like I said it typically is running all the time. It, it's liquefied, so it's running. It doesn't just evaporate away. Like dew will just, the moisture evaporates out, but then yeah. all the dirt particles, which that's what the moisture is formed around, is a dirt particle. It's going to stay on your panel, so you need to watch that to be clean. Dave, Snow is David is bad. nerdier than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. He's exactly as nerdy as I am. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, you really got to watch out for that. Snow is really bad. Snow will leave a lot of dirt on panels. Is there anything we need to do? Because I, I know one of the things that you guys have both preached to me that is kind of counterintuitive, I think, to a lot of our people who aren't in the business is that uh, the solar panels are more productive in the winter because of the cold. Is there anything we need to do maintenance-wise to prep for that? Or is it just no, keep the panels clean and just know they're going to do better for us in the winter? Nothing really to prep for on that, wouldn't you say? Well, I mean, I don't think you need to prep, but if you think that you were on the verge of having a controller that was borderline not enough during the summertime, right? Uh, in the wintertime, it's not going to be enough. It's going to overproduce, and it, it could be very detrimental to your Typically controller. 10% more, but it can be higher. Right. you got to be careful with that. I mean, if you bought a controller thinking, well, I'll get one later on, and you put it in your system and say, well, it's working fine, and it was middle of July, middle of December, you're probably going to have issue. That's not going to work very well for you if it was a borderline type issue. Now, if it was well below the parameters, then it's no issue at all. So bottom line, as always, solar is as close to set it and forget it as we get. Yeah, and in most areas, you don't have to clean your panels, but, you know, if you clean them, you will get more power out of them. You know, I came in this morning, sun was up well enough that every other morning I'd been in that the pond aeration was going, you know, through our sun tack. It was already running and it was giving aeration. And this morning I came in and there was a heavy frost on. Same amount of sun on the panels, no production. You couldn't get that. Uh, just saying, if you're an off-grid living uh, situation 
and if you go out and there's frost on the panels, you know, and you're needing that power quickly, I mean, of a morning, getting that frost off there, now don't go spraying it with water, you know, don't <laughs> do that. Uh, that's bad. But, you know, a, a simple solution of alcohol and water, which is a two to one, one part alcohol, two parts water, and you can spray on the panels and it will dissolve it, evaporate off it immediately and not have any freeze back and, and not crack the panels because it's too cold. And you do your windshield at the same time. Same time. You just keep <laughs> the same stuff in your, in your car. That's right. It really works well. Alcohol and water. Alcohol, water. Two parts water, one part alcohol. And you can just keep it in a spray bottle. You can leave it in your car. It takes about negative 60 to freeze it. And you just spray it on your windshield. You spray it directly on the windshield and it, it won't crack it. It won't do anything. Now, hot water or cold water on a car windshield. Yeah. It's not a good deal, yeah. but with the alcohol in there, it won't. You'll find if you've got any rock chips. <laughs> That's right. It'll make them bigger. <laughs> You'll be able to spot them a lot easier. <laughs> make them bigger. <laughs> you know, we do a lot of pond aeration. Anything maintenance-wise you need to do for that? Pond Check. aeration, if you have, I'll let Wyatt say his deal, but I'm going to say real quick, if you have pond aeration and you have purchased it from us two months or greater ago, then you need to call us and purchase check valves. We have a new inline check valve. We have a two-pack of check inline check valves that you'll need to put close to your diffuser. It will not allow any water to back up in the line and freeze at the point of the water and air contact. Years past, you had to be careful of that because if you were on a battery operating system, water would seep back up that line through the diffusers and it would, as it got to the water level surface, that's where, of course, there was the pressure was, was at a norm. It pressurized out there. Well, then it would freeze at that point. And when it would freeze at that point, now you had to break that water, that ice, and push it down the line, and it came in contact with the T, and then it took a while for it to melt, so it was longer in the day before you got any aeration going back through your system. So the check valve will eliminate that. You put them within about six inches of each one of your diffusers, now there's no water back feed up through the line. It makes it a lot easier for that unit to start up. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. Well, I wanna end our podcast today if you listen to our podcast, chances are you're pretty much a diehard fan of Missouri Wind and Solar. I figured I would let this go with this group first. We are in the planning stage of looking at doing uh, a school up at the store here in February. And Wyatt's going to teach everything. And I'm just messing with him right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have more details on that to come. But we're looking at putting together like a like a little weekend seminar school, showcasing the store and, you know, talk about some of the stuff that we do here on the podcast, a lot more person-to-person, -person, uh, hands-on, going through. Actually, I'm going to try to convince Wyatt to have the wind tunnel cranked up. We can pop a few eardrums, that sort of thing, to show you guys where we do testing of the equipment and that sort of thing. We'll have more details to follow on that. But again, I know the podcast folks are pretty diehard. If, you're, if you put up with listening to the three of us talk, <laughs> then you're pretty much a fan of the, the company and thought we'd start rolling it out to you guys first. So you guys have anything to add to that since you're going to be the, the I'll be teaching everything. <laughs> <laughs> Only what McDerris isn't teaching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, will they notice I'm drunk? <laughs> <laughs> Master Wyatt. <laughs> And on that note, we'll wrap it up for the day. <laughs> Thank you all very much, and uh, we'll try to keep the podcast coming to you. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. Um, and if we put this out after Thanksgiving, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. That's right. <laughs> we'll roll on the way to Christmas, and we'll talk to you hopefully before then. Thanks a lot.
Thank you for downloading and listening to the podcast today. If you have a question that you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast, email us at radio at mwands.com. You can follow us on our website, mwands.com, or subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Check out our store at mwands.com and buy some stuff. Buying stuff allows us to continue to produce our educational broadcasts, like our podcasts and YouTube videos. And most importantly, it keeps Lucy's Doggy Chicken Treats coming. Thanks again.